Welcome to Running Up the Score. I'm Alex Kennedy. This is my new show that airs every Tuesday and Friday. Joining me today is a good friend of mine. He runs the Rookie Wire for USA Today Sports Media Group. He is Cody Taylor. Cody, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, Alex. Always good to hop on with you and talk hoops whenever we can. Always fun. I feel like on this show, I've been talking about the rookies so much with just every NBA guest that comes on. So who better to jump on and have a whole rookie-themed yeah. <laughs> episode than you? For people that don't know, you've been doing this for several years now, basically covering the entire rookie class from the time they're going through the draft process to the end of their season uh, at Rookie Wire. So, I mean, literally, this is your beat every single day. So I figured it'd be great to have you on, talk about kind of how this class compares to other classes and then some specific players in this class. So we obviously have to start with Victor Wembanyama. Wemby is what everyone's talking about. Uh, I know he's number one on most rookie ladders right now, rankings. Uh, he's been incredible. I mean, averaging nearly 20 points a game eight and a half rebounds, 2.6 blocks. I saw NBA.com had a stat that if he continues this for the full season, uh, the last time we'd seen rookies that kind of put up those kind of numbers would be David Robinson, who was much older, by the way, when he was a rookie. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on what we've seen from Wem- Wemby so far? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's just been, he's been as advertised, right? Like the 38-point effort against the Suns last week stood out, and especially considering... It came against Kevin Durant, who he a guy that he watched over the years. And, you know, some people say they have similar skill sets. You know, that's to be determined. Um, but that was such an impressive performance, um, you know, with his, his length, his athleticism, and just what he can do with the ball. We just haven't seen that. And, of course, I'm sure we'll talk about him, but, um, you know, with, with Chet Holmgren, having two seven footers in this draft class that can do what they do is just unseen. And so, you know, it, it seems like we're going to, we're going to have these nights, these games where, you know, there's a stat where he's the first since David Robinson, or he's the second player to do, to do this stat line or whatever the case is. And so he's already joined Shaq and LeBron and Katie in a couple of categories. So obviously he's off to a great start. I think we're gonna we're gonna see as the season goes, teams figure out kind of how to defend him better. So I think that'll be something to watch and monitor to see how the Spurs kind of handle this and what they can do when he's double teamed or you know when they're taking the post away from him. Obviously, we saw the Knicks do that the other night, uh, do a pretty good job of kind of limiting him uh, compared to past games. So um, I, I really like what how Victor's playing, how he's handling the transition. You listen. to Greg Popovich talk about him. He loves the kid. You know, he, he constantly talks about his maturity at 19, which is, you know, it's just kind of hard to fathom. You know, I, I know when I was 19, I, I couldn't handle nearly anything like like the attention that, that you know, Victor's hand is, has done so far. So I think so far through the first uh, six, seven games, uh, you know, he's really looked the part of being a once in a generation player. Yeah, it's crazy considering where the hype was and the fact that he's not only met expectations, but arguably exceeded them is pretty wild. I mean, it's really impressive to see. I had his trainer, Tim Martin, on the, on the show here, and he was just talking about his maturity and how he's kind of been dealing with this, not maybe this level of hype, but similar levels of hype for the last few years. And it's kind of helped him uh, be able to adjust to Wemby mania and not be too phased by it. Um, and I think that's one of the most impressive things. It's not even just, you know, his length and athleticism and what we're seeing on the floor. You know, his maturity and basketball IQ and everything there is so impressive as well. Like Tim was saying, they, they whenever they started training, uh, he was really showing 
Wemby moved over like Zoom. They were doing everything virtually for like the first few months. And Wemby would see something over Zoom and then that night in a game, he'd be doing it. Like that's just the kind of mm-hmm. person he is. So it's remarkable what we're seeing from him. Um, you mentioned Chet Holmgren. I want to ask about him too, because he's, I think if this were any other draft class, you know, all the talk would be about Chet, but because Wemby's so ridiculous, you know, he's kind of been like the 1B. Um, I've been really impressed with him. There is an advantage when you sit out a whole season and kind of, you know, get to be around the NBA and, and be around NBA coaches and resources and all that. But I, I think Chet was someone that was kind of looked at as uh, someone that was drafted so high because of his potential. So the fact that he's having already such a, you know, day one immediate impact has been really impressive to me. Yeah, I mean, when you look at just some of the things that he's doing, you know, all, for all year, for an entire year, we heard last year, we heard, you know, well, the Thunder don't have Chet, you know, and we were kind of curious to see how he would come back from that injury and, and you know, just kind of listening to updates uh, about him throughout the year. He attacked his rehab every day uh, to get better. Obviously, he did have the luxury of, of being around the team for a whole year, around their resources, which has definitely helped him tremendously. And, you know, it's going to be a debate, I'm sure, as the season goes on, should he really be considered a rookie player? Uh, you know, obviously, we saw that with, with um, Ben Simmons and, and Donovan Mitchell the one year. Um, which which gave us a lot of good uh, conversation and 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 you know trash talk to each other, but um, you know when you look at him on the court, he, he can do just you know as we were talking about Victor, he can handle the ball, he can shoot. He's shooting at an absurd clip right now. I think he's in the fifty forty ninety uh, discussion right now. Obviously, we're what seven eight games in, so we'll see if he can continue that. He's shooting over fifty percent from three. Um, so it, it's something that he said that he wants to do shoot 50, 40, 90 in a year. And, um, you know, there's, and I think what, what really works for him is working for him is that he's really picking his spots. I don't think if you, if you watch him play, he's not necessarily forcing shots. He's kind of just taking what, what they give him. He's get, he's benefiting by the space that's created by Shea and Josh Giddy and, and J J dub and, and just everyone on that team. And so, um, if he's got the shot, he's going to shoot it, especially from that corner. We've seen him spot up several times from there. Um, but if he can work inside the paint and, and put some moves on, on you know, whoever it is, he's going to do it. So I think he's been a lot of fun to watch. And, I mean, you know, the Thunder are are off to a pretty good start. I think they're 5-3 and three as of this recording. And, you know, I think they're finally showing signs of that team that's taken the next step uh, that we saw last year getting the play in. And now this year, kind of taking that next step. And so I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. And when you look at the Spurs and Thunder, I think two teams uh, probably on opposite spectrums a little bit in terms of where they are in their rebuild, but absolutely worth watching on League Pass. For sure. Scoo Henderson was so hyped up as well. Obviously, seeing what he did in the G League against grown men uh, and, and professionals, uh, you know, he obviously hasn't gone out to the best start. Now he's injured. But what are your thoughts on kind of what we've seen from Scoot so far? Again, it, it is such a small sample size. So I think anyone that's kind of panicking or, or freaking out, you know, I think they should give him some time and be patient. But thoughts on kind of what Scoot's been dealing with entering the league? Yeah, I absolutely love Scoot. Um, you know, I really put a lot of value in some of these Ignite guys playing in the G League. Um, I think the competition is, is a lot better than college. Um and I think we're, with that being said, I think we're, we're seeing Scoot kind of have a, a, a little bit of a tough transition with the physicality 
of the NBA. Obviously, the G League is some, considered by some to be the second best league in the, in the world. Um, and then when you make the transition to the NBA, I think it's been a, it's been a little rough for him. His shooting percentages aren't great, but that wasn't necessarily a strength of his. He's I just he just impressed me so much with his body size, his his build, his athleticism, speed ability to handle the ball, get his teammates involved, keep it himself, score, throw down, just some insane dunks. Um, he's dealing with an ankle injury right now, so I believe he's missed the last three, four games or so. Um, and there doesn't seem to be an update on when he'll, he might be back. But I think that he's – it's going to take him time. You know, I did my first uh, rookie power rankings this week. I didn't include him in the top ten. I just don't think that he, he – I just thought that there are some other guys that were ahead of them that have contributed at a higher level, especially uh, maybe considering where their teams are. Obviously we know the trailblazers are probably going to take a step back this year after, after the trade, but they're they're They've been competitive. They've been in games um, and they're just decimated right now by injuries. Malcolm Brogdon just went down. Obviously Robert Williams is probably going to be out for the year. So I think that, you know, the, the sooner they can get scoot back, the better, especially, just not even for, for their team, but just for his development, get him on the court minutes and, and get some NBA competition under his belt. One of the things that stands out to me about this rookie class, uh, uh, especially the top, is there's a lot of two-way players. Like Wemby and Shet are already being talked about as all defensive team guys that, you know, or at least candidates. Um, Asar Thompson has been great defensively and is kind of doing a lot of little things out there. Uh, it seems like it's not just a lot of scorers. You have some guys that can really do it on both ends of the floor. Uh, you know, do you, what are your thoughts on kind of the defensive impact we've seen from some of the top rookies in this class? Yeah, it's been really cool to watch. And, and Draymond Green had a quote uh, within the last week talking about Victor and Asar Thompson or, you know, just the Thompson twins in general, just their ability to want to come into the league and defend. You know, I think that, we hear a lot of rookies, a lot of young guys talk about, you know, defense is what is how I'm going to get on the court. If, if I can play positive minutes, if I can defend at a high level, uh, that's how I'm going to get on the court. And then, you know, the offense will come, will come at some point. But I think, you know, then there's the rookies. I just want to come in and, and try to score as much as possible. But Draymond was really complimenting those guys, Victor and the Thompson twins, for their ability to come in and defend at a high level. Obviously we know Victor can control the paint. I think we all know his wingspan is about eight foot, which is just insane. Um, and so with, with his ability to kind of to be in the paint, control the paint, and then to close out on the three point line and, and use his long arms and deflect the balls. Um, and then with the Thompson twins, just super athletic can, can stay in front of everyone um, we're seeing Asar right now just put up some insane numbers. Um, he's second in the league in offensive rebounding. He's ninth in blocks among all players, um, which is which is just crazy to think of. And so even even outside of those two guys, Derek Lively from the Mavericks, he's been a guy that they really like. Um, you know, we saw him the other night here in Orlando uh, against the Magic. He got in early foul trouble. Uh, so he didn't necessarily have one of his best games, but he's already got a couple double doubles and they really like just his ability to defend the paint. And even he had six assists one game, which was the second most by a Mavs center, uh, Mavs rookie center in history. So I think he's showing that he can be a little bit more than just a defender. 
Uh, obviously, he's going to get to work in, in the paint, take those high percentage looks uh, near the rim. But, you know, when, when he can kind of do some other things and keep some defenses honest, I think he's going to be in store for a really strong rookie year. And, you know, just kind of further illustrates how some of these defensive-minded guys are, even, even with the Magic. Um, you know, Anthony Black hasn't played a ton, but has guarded. he guarded Luka Doncic in that game. He's guarded uh, a couple of the, the, you know, top opposing players when he's gotten in there. So I think, you know, uh, some of these guys with their uh, athleticism, physical tools, and just their IQ understanding of the game have, have really uh, shined on that side of the ball so far. Yeah, Lively's one that I'm a big fan of. You know, we talked about him on this show. I was tweeting about him a bunch. It seems like he's what Dallas has been looking for for a while now, kind of that lob threat, defensive presence, great rebounder. Um, so I've been a big fan of him as well. I'm glad you mentioned him. Um, let's talk about Brandon Miller because, again, he was drafted so high, but there really isn't a lot of talk about him. Um, it seems like other guys are, are kind of overshadowing him. Um, what are your thoughts on what he's shown so far? Yeah, I mean, his, he's, he's had, he has good numbers, uh, 13 points, four and a half rebounds so far. Um, and, and I think for him, it, he's just been productive. He's just been a guy that the Hornets need. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to have – he while he's definitely capable of having these kinds of games, I don't know if he's going to have like these – Jordan Hawkins has already had 30 points. Wimby's had 38 points. I don't know if he's going to have these – you know, high scoring games this year, because I don't know that the Hornets need him to do that. Um, but he has gotten a lot of praise from, from coach Clifford just for his, his understanding IQ ability and competitiveness. They really like the way he competed in, in camp. Um, you know, I think there's been some talk of he should start or not. I think his, his role off the bench will probably be about where we'll see him this year. He'll probably get a couple spot starts, with some guys out potentially, but I think he's just going to be a guy that can defend and space the floor for them. And he can also, you know, if someone, uh, you know, closes out on him or if they give him some space, he can drive and take it to the paint and finish. Uh, we, we definitely saw that last year at Alabama. You know, he just had such a, such a productive rookie year some that we haven't seen it in quite some time. So I think that uh, he's going to be a guy that will just be productive for him. They'll have a couple good, like really, uh, you know, high scoring games probably. But for the most part, I would say he's going to be averaging about 13 to 15 points a game this year. Who are some other rookies that have impressed you uh, either just with their numbers so far, maybe shown some flashes and, and you like their long term upside? You know, who are some guys that we haven't discussed that have jumped out at you? Yeah, I know we, we talked about Asar Thompson with, with the Pistons and, and then, they, you know, they have another rookie, Marcus Sasser who's been really incredible for them. He didn't play a ton of minutes to start the year, first couple of games, but, you know, Coach Monty Williams even talked at some point like, hey, you know, it's my bad. I need to get him. I need to find him some more time. And and they finally did, and he's producing. Uh, he's already – he's one of two rookies right now with multiple 20-point games. He's coming off a career high on Wednesday, and he's shooting just the lights out right now. He's shooting uh, 50% from, from beyond the beyond the arc. I think it's 17 to 34 so far, probably not going to shoot 50% for the entire year, but he just gives them that element of shooting. He, he's also a good defender. He'll pick up the entire length of the floor uh, and, and pester some of the guys. So I think he's been, he's been another guy uh, into the first round that, that has really stood out. Kaysen Wallace from the Thunder. You know, we've talked about Chet and rightfully so we'll talk about Chet for, for a lot of the year, but, 
10th pick, Cason Wallace has looked really good. He's defending. He's defending, you know, the opponent's best players, the, the coaching staff uh, really like what he, they, they're giving him the, the freedom to guard guys and he's really coming up and, and he's doing really well, you know? So I think that and he was known as a defender and he's showing that. So I think it's always good when a guy who's known for something in college can come into the NBA and really show that. Um, and then uh, another guy that's kind of stood out is Jaime Jaquez from, from the heat, just a guy that can come in super athletic and defend. Uh, and they like what, how he can attack the rim, shoot and, um, you know, plays just some, some good minutes for them off the bench. You know, they're not going to need him to do a ton with some of the guys they have there, but he's been a guy that I think has stood out so far. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Prize Picks. If you haven't tried daily fantasy sports on Prize Picks, you're missing out. You pick two to six players and whether they'll score more or less points than their Prize Pick projection. If you're right, you win big. You can win 25 times your money on any entry. At Prize Picks, you aren't competing against other people, which might include experts and sharks. It's just you versus the projections. Prize Picks offers projections on virtually every sport NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, and more. You can mix and match players from different sports. So you could have Steph Curry and Patrick Mahomes in the same entry, for example. If you download Prize Picks today and use the promo code RUNNING, they'll double your deposit up to $100. That is the promo code RUNNING, and they will match your deposit up to $100. It takes 30 seconds or less to build a lineup. To show you how easy it is, I'm going to build an entry right now. All right, we're on Prize Picks. This is the rookie episode, so I feel like we have to go with a rookie. Uh, I'm going to go Star Thompson, more than 7.5 rebounds tonight against Philly. And then let's go over to the NFL receiving yards. Nico Collins, it looks like he's not going to play due to injury. So Tank Dell, more than 54.5 receiving yards uh, against Cincinnati is really attractive. So let's go with that. $20 entry, place entry. We are good to go. We're entered. Thank you, Prize Picks, for sponsoring this episode. Use that promo code RUNNING and they will double your first deposit. It's a ton of fun, makes the games more interesting, so I highly recommend it. Use that promo code RUNNING and they will match your first deposit. Let's get back to the episode. As I mentioned, you do, you know, draft coverage and cover the rookie class, you know, all throughout pre-draft and stuff too. So, you know a lot about this class, you know, from top to bottom. Who are some second round picks or late sleepers that kind of stand out to you? Maybe they haven't gotten an opportunity yet or aren't putting up, you know, crazy numbers or anything right now, but guys that have potential long-term or once they get an opportunity, they could make the most of it. Yeah, um, there's been, a, there's there's a couple guys there in that in that second round and, you know, maybe so far haven't got the chance to really play, but I think will. And I mean, there's a number of guys in the early thirties that, you know, had first round grades from, from a lot of analysts and, and even teams themselves that were probably surprised they fell to them. You know, uh, I think Kobe Jones from the Kings has been, he's been kind of thrust into the spotlight a little bit more with the injury to, De- to De'Aaron Fox. And, you know, I think he, he's a guy that they, they want to see what they have in him. Um, that they certainly like what he can provide in the backcourt. And I think that, you know, with, with some more time, um, you know, we're not sh- sure how long Fox will be out, but he's been a guy that I think will get an opportunity this year. Um, and then you kind of look down further down the line uh, for for the Trailblazers, uh, Tumani Kamara, who I actually put in my rookie power rankings at number, I believe it was number 10 I got him in. 
But he's the guy that head coach Chauncey Billups absolutely loves. He does not stop talking about him and, you know, just his toughness, his his competitiveness, and, and just he gives 110% on, on every possession. He's always running down the floor, blocking shots. He can shoot a little bit. Work. He works in the paint. Um, just a guy that they absolutely love. He was thrown in in the Damian Lillard trade. I, I think, you know, most people kind of saw him as a throw-in, but – it sounds like the Trailblazers absolutely love him. And so, you know, with him and, and Scoot, they're looking to have a, a pretty solid, strong rookie class so far. Um, and then Trace Jackson Davis for the Warriors, the 57th pick. Um, he he hasn't played a ton, but he's he he has come in when the when the team has needed him. And, you know, him and and Pajimski, uh Brandon Pajimski from uh Santa Clara. Came in, you know, they haven't played a ton, but um, Draymond Green had a quote uh, within the last week that um, they had their their last end season tournament game that they beat the Thunder. Um, you know, they he he just went on a nice little little Draymond Green esque rant about them, you know, wanting their energy, needing their energy that those two guys provide, um, and you know, hopefully. They'll they'll stick around uh, the team uh, for for some of the year, but they've already been kind of back and forth with Santa Cruz in the G League. But just guys that, when given the opportunity to play, they'll absolutely make their presence known. And guys that already you know through November uh, have already earned the respect, trust of their teammates, including Jamon Green, which you know obviously is not an easy thing to do. So as I mentioned, you've been uh, running Rookie Wire for several years now and, and you know, basically breaking down all the rookies and then each year you move on to the next class. How does this class compare to other classes that you've covered and then also just all time? Again, very clear. It's, it's very early. It's two weeks into the season. But just as far as what they've shown so far, maybe the hype, um, you know, I think I, I talked to a few people on the show and they've said, you know, this could be a generational class. It's that talented, especially kind of the cheat code of having Chet be part of this class uh, that mm-hmm. definitely helps a little bit. Um, but how is this class compared to other ones that you've covered and then just all time? Yeah, I think um, I believe this is the fifth class that we've covered. I want to say the first one was the Zion John Morant class. Um, and then, you know, so far I think the class has been, has been really, really strong. Um, obviously, like you said, it's, very small sample size, so the jury's still out. But I think that um, they have the potential to go down as one of the better ones in, in recent memory. I think a couple of years ago, the Cade Cunningham, uh, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, Franz Wagner, Jalen Suggs class has been probably overall the best one that I've covered. And we saw even in Scotty Barnes, and I know – like Josh Giddy was in that one. All of them kind of run together, if I'm being honest. But, um, you know, I, I think that one had the closest uh, rookie of the year finish uh, in history since it went to the current voting format. Scotty just kind of got over in over Evan Mobley. I thought Evan probably should have been the rookie of the year winner that year. But overall, I think that one was was probably the best class that I covered because, you know, I mentioned Franz Wagner, who was the eighth pick and, you know, was a was probably should have been a rookie of the year finalist finishing in the top three, but you know, all rookie first team. And um, 
So we, we've seen some, some good ones come through um, since we started the website uh, in 19. Um, but I think that this one's going to be fun. Um, and it is fun to kind of cover these guys from, from the start of their careers and then kind of look back and, and see how they've progressed. You know, it's kind of, it can be good and bad to look back at, at a couple guys and be like, you know, I just look back and be like, Oh, I, I didn't necessarily cover that guy a lot because he didn't play a lot. And now he's, you know, doing really well. Or on the other side where I've covered him a bunch or, you know, he was supposed to be really good. It just didn't, didn't pan out necessarily. So um, it's kind of cool to see how the guys progress and, and just, um, you know, how they've taken advantage of their situations and playing time. Speaking of which, you know, you do some like redrafts or, you know, looking back on who should have gone higher and, and everything in draft classes. I know you did a few months ago a, a redraft of last year's class. And again, you spent all of last year writing about these guys. What are your thoughts on uh, some of the top guys in that class? Uh, you know, Paolo, Jalen Williams. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty strong class, you know, especially at the top there. There are a few guys that have emerged and looked really good. Uh, who's kind of stood out to you as far as sophomores and uh, what are you seeing from them this season, I guess? Yeah, and last year I would probably say it was overall maybe the second. I should probably go back and kind of rank all the classes that I've done. That'd be a fun exercise. But um, I think last year was one of the be- the better ones, maybe the second best, second or third best one. I'd have to look back at the Zion class again and just see just how everyone kind of panned out. But last year it was it was really fun to to cover. You know, have the opportunity to cover Paolo um throughout the year and, and kind of document his rookie of the year run you know being lo- being in Orlando uh that was fun to watch he's obviously been off to a pretty good start this year um he's already had i think a, a 30 point game uh, if i'm not mistaken so i think he he's continuing on his his development path uh, obviously a, a key piece for the magic uh, shaden sharp has been he's been off to a good start um you know obviously he he didn't play a ton last year um, and this year he, he's still, you can kind of still see he's, he's, you know, working through some turnovers and some other mistakes, which is obviously natural for a second year guy, especially one that didn't play in college. So, um, he's been a guy that's been off to a good start. J-Dub, Jalen Williams from, from the Thunder. I think there was a, a section of, of people that maybe thought, just from his second half of last year till now, you know, I don't know if anyone from that rookie class has been as good as him. Obviously didn't win rookie of the year. Um, but, you know, uh, I think he's been off to a great start and you just kind of look at at where his progression is and just the things that he's doing. Um, he's obviously a key piece for the Thunder moving forward and, and it's a lot of fun to watch. And then as I kind of just look at some other names here, Jalen Duran from the Pistons has been you know, a, a monster, um, you know, even last year as a rookie, he's, you know, pulling in rebounds that, you know, people like since like Dwight Howard and, and Shaq and, you know, he's he, obviously anytime you can put your name alongside those guys, you're doing pretty well. And then another guy who I've been really impressed with so far is, is Mark Williams from the Hornets. Uh, he didn't play a ton. I think they kind of went to him as the season kind of got away from them last year, kind of went a little sideways. Um, but I think he had 20, 28 or 29 points already in the game this year. Um, just he put, he posted some insane numbers in the G league last year when he wasn't getting minutes in Charlotte. So I think 
he's developing into a guy that they absolutely need in Charlotte. You know, some of the some of their recent draft picks has haven't worked out. I've, you know, I talked about earlier James Booknight, uh, recent draft pick a couple of years ago hasn't worked out. They didn't pick up his his rookie option, um, so his future is obviously to be determined. So I think to get them to get Mark Williams and 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 see where he's at right now, I think the Hornets have to love that, and he's been definitely a sophomore guy that I think has really kind of started off the year on a, on a good foot. One thing that was discussed recently, I think the athletic reported that the NBA has talked about adding a second day to the NBA draft. So kind of doing it more like the NFL draft where you have first round on day one, second round day two. Um, not only would that, you know, be good for, <clears throat> not only that be good for TV purposes and kind of dragging it out and making it a two day event like the NFL has, but the GMs also are pushing for it because it gives them more time to, react to the players that are on the board entering the second round and make trades and things like that. So I think it's probably going to get done. It seems like it'd be a win for everyone involved. You know, the NBA gets two days of TV ratings and talk. Uh, the GMs get more time to kind of, okay, round one ends. Now let's look into round two and see, you know, who's still there that we didn't think would be there. Let's do our homework <laughs> overnight and talk to their teams about transactions and things like that. A lot of the second round, too, is negotiating with guys about whether they're willing to do a two-way or play in the G League. or And certain guys are making the decision, you know, do I want to go overseas instead? Or we've had we've heard stories in recent years of like Austin Reeves, who could have been drafted, but instead decided to bet on himself and go undrafted so he could sign with the Lakers. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense. There's so many things happening that to add a second day for the second round, you know, it's not just for TV purposes and uh, you know, to make the NBA talked about for two days. It actually does seem to make sense behind the scenes too for, you know, GMs and, and front offices. What are your thoughts on the idea to kind of add a second day to the NBA draft? Yeah, I mean, it it's almost seems like why haven't they done it sooner? You know, like by all accounts, it would it would seem like the teams, um, you know, executives, uh, scout or just everyone um, would would benefit by having an extra night to think about the second round. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, every year there's always guys that fall to the second round that had first round grades on them. Um, and, and, and teams can get just maybe another night to, to think about some things. And, 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 you know, as you said, work behind the scenes with agents to get guys, um, you know, whatever on whatever the case is um, two ways or going undrafted and, and signing deals uh, you know, as undrafted free agents. And then obviously agents would probably, they would probably love it too. I mean, if, especially if you're, you know, you're, you're an agency that has multiple guys, you know, obviously you would probably like some more time to think about where maybe you want to send your guys to. And, and then, you know, selfishly uh, from my, our, uh, our vantage point in the media, you know, I know there are nights when I'll leave the magic arena or training facility um, you know, past midnight after having, you know, to cover not only the magic, but some of the other top guys. And then it'll, it won't be until the next day that sometimes I'll even see, oh, so-and-so went here or there or whatever, you know, I'm following along, but it, you know, you, you get an, a, a little bit more time to kind of digest things, what you just saw from the first round. Um, you know, it, it will probably not be great for, as we see in the NFL, when there's like the guys that get invited to the green room that have to wait an oh, extra yeah. day, you know, uh, was that Will Levis this year, I think for, uh, in the NFL had to wait a whole other night. Um, and obviously we've seen guys in, in the NBA that were in the green room who are 
mostly expected to be top 20, top 25 picks go as late as I think Jaden Hardy went 37 last year uh, and he was a green room guy. So I think uh, by all accounts, it, it seems to work for everyone. Um, and, and so hopefully that that'll get done, um, you know, uh, next year and, and we'll get, we'll get some extra time in between the rounds to kind of just sit there, digest things and just, you know, react to it really. Yeah, I think another element of this is that, you know, players in the second round, they don't have guaranteed money. You know, uh, it's not completely guaranteed to them. There's not a rookie scale for the second round. So there is more negotiating to be done, too. So if a team is between two players, you know, that could be a factor or it just kind of gives everyone more time to discuss whether it's trades or negotiate deals or, you know, have those kind of conversations behind the scenes. Um, So, yeah, I think it'll probably happen. And it makes a lot of sense. It would be interesting. Um, You know, I'm curious to see, like, what those numbers for the second day would be like as far as ratings go you know how much interest is there like obviously people like you and I are degenerates that are going to watch uh to see who gets drafted in the second round and you know but if you're hyped up about like this last year for example everyone's watching about to see where Wemby and Scoot and you know some of these top guys go you know how many fans will keep watching the second day I you know I'm sure the NFL sees that too there's a big drop off whenever you get to especially like day three it's like you know hardcore yeah. fans <laughs> Um, so yeah. I'm curious to see what that what that would look like as far as, uh, you know, how it would not only change like the the TV broadcast, but also, you know, what the ratings would look like. But I'm sure the NBA would prefer having the, the draft talked about over two days, you know, just like the NFL draft. Now you would have day one grades and then day two grades, mm-hmm. you know, so the media is talking about it and separating them kind of. Um, and yeah, like it would suck for the players, to your point, that fall. And then they have to wait a whole other day to figure out where they're going. Um, but it also... Like the Will Levis thing, everyone was talking about it entering day two of the NBA draft or NFL yeah. draft, and it was like a huge storyline and stuff. So I think there's a lot of reasons to do it. And I'm, I'm curious why it hasn't been done before, to your point. It feels like that should have been kind of how it's been for, for a while now. Um, but I think it makes sense to add that. Um, I want to ask you, it seems like so many players in the NBA today enter the league and they're able to make an impact from day one. And whereas, you know... 10, 20, I guess more like 20 years ago, we saw it would take guys a while to kind of develop and figure out the game. And obviously not everyone comes in and makes an impact right away, but like the top guys, there are a lot of examples of guys who've been able to step in and just be great from day one. And I wonder if that's partially because of how guys are kind of coming up now. Like they start working with these professional trainers when they're, you know, in their early teenage years. And it seems like they're like more prepared for the NBA lifestyle. Like you know, I talked to to Paolo, for example, and I feel like he's been kind of approaching his life and basketball career as if he were prefer- as if he were a pro for like five, six, seven years now. Um, so it's not as much of a total culture shock for these guys when they do enter the NBA. Um, now, obviously, they have to adjust to this schedule and travel and things like that. But um, I don't know. Do you think that these guys were able to make an impact quicker because of how they kind of come up and and how it's kind of how you know what's changed in uh amateur basketball especially for top prospects yeah i absolutely think it that's a, a a huge part of it you know we're we we hear you know even listening to kevin garnett recently on his show on showtime talking to paul pierce and they're talking about Wimby. you know obviously not the traditional path for you know he grew up uh, in europe but these guys are coming into the league just so skilled now like we hear some players that didn't do the the things that some of these guys are doing when they entered the league. Like JJ Redick has talked about that as well. He didn't know, 
obviously, you know, he came in and didn't play a ton his first few years, but he's talked about that on his podcast, how these guys are just so skilled right now. And you got to think that's, you know, working with just some of the the people that they have in their corner. Like you mentioned, Paolo, obviously he's, he's been with Mike Miller a few years now, former NBA player. I think a lot of these guys um, are getting in with these programs, um, training facilities that are preparing them, working out with other NBA guys and being around the game for as long as they have. Obviously um, impact basketball in Vegas is a, is a huge one that, you know, works out so many guys um, and, and have so many former players or, or coaches or whatever the case kind of running, running the drill. So I think that, um, you know, a lot of these guys are just so, so ready, so prepared. Um, I wonder too, if, you know, some of the guys that have tested the draft a few years, um, kind of working out with teams, knowing what teams want to do, how they want to put them through drills, the advice, feedback that they're getting. You know, some of these guys are, are testing the draft uh, the, the maximum amount of times they can, uh, which is which is three. So, um, you know, after the second time, you gotta, you got to stay in. Um, but I, I think that these guys being around, um, you know, the facilities, the, the training staffs, and, and just having some of the people in their corner have absolutely helped them prepare them to be ready uh, to, to play from day one. And, and that's part of it. The other part is, you know, we're seeing a lot of – there's always been teams that have been rebuilding, but to, to have some of the guys that are skilled as they are uh, come in and start playing immediately, I think it's been, it's been uh, important for the teams. Yeah, they get an opportunity to show what they can do right away. I think a big part of it, too, is so many of the top prospects coming in now are international players who have been pros for a couple of years. Like someone like Victor Wembanyama or Luka Doncic, you know, they played professionally overseas, so they did kind of get used to the pro environment. They've been playing against guys that were, you know, 10 years older than them for for some time now. Um, like, I know Luka, he said, I think on JJ Reddick's podcast, uh, that the biggest thing for him entering the NBA, the hardest part was just being in a different time zone than his family and kind of the off-court stuff. He was like, the basketball stuff came easy and actually said the NBA was easier for him as a scorer than EuroLeague because the rules are different, physicality is different. You know, he said the talent's better in the NBA, but he actually said on the court, it wasn't hard for him as far as the transition. And he didn't think he'd ever be as good of a scorer as he is now. Um, but it was mostly off-court stuff. So I think that helps too. Like when you have so many top prospects that are international players, they literally have been pros. It's just doing it in a different league now. So I'm sure that helps as well. But yeah, I mean, it's been so impressive seeing what some of these guys are able to do from day one. Um, you know, whereas in the past, I feel like there was way more of a development curve where guys would come in and figure out the NBA and then get, and get used to the travel and the schedule. And sometimes guys didn't start looking, you know, like they belonged in a league until like year two, three. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's, it's kind of interesting to see. Um, you would think too, back in the day, it'd be different because guys would have like three, four years of college. So you're like, oh, they're more mature and ready when they enter the league. But I mean, it seems like the guy, whatever they're doing behind the scenes, to your point, training with guys in the offseason at places like Impact Basketball or all these different gyms, um, that has to help a ton. And then I, I think also you, they're, they're just having people in their camps much earlier too. Like, you know, they're getting advisors and trainers and mm -hmm. straight and conditioning people. Like I know Victor Wembanyama has been working with like his flexibility and conditioning yeah. people for several years now. Um, so it's just, it's, it's very interesting to see, but I appreciate you joining me here to break down the rookie class. It's been a super fun one. Uh, I, I love watching these guys play and I'm glad we were able to hit on everyone that we did. Uh, can you tell everyone where they can find your work and kind of what you guys do on rookie wire? If I, if they missed what I said earlier. 
<laughs> yeah, no. So you can catch us on, on the Rookie Wire, the rookiewire.usatoday.com. And I'm on Twitter at Cody Taylor NBA. But just, you know, breaking down some of the, you know, the top guys, the, the Victor Wimbanyama scoots and all the guys we talked about today. And then, of course, we also cover uh, the guys coming up in the league and, and, and the college guys and, and all the guys. So anyone, uh, young players and those coming into the league here uh, soon. So, yeah, all the coverage on, on the Ricky Wire. Yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, it does a fantastic job with not only breaking down the incoming, you know, the current rookies, but also mock drafts, redrafts. Uh, if you're a fan of a team, you know, it's always interesting to see kind of what Cody and, and guys over at Ricky Wire are saying about, you know, your, your team's uh, rookies. So definitely check that out. Uh, and if you guys want to watch more episodes of Running Up the Score, they air every Tuesday and Friday. Uh, you can watch the show live on Twitter. You can uh, listen to episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you guys want to listen. Uh, but until next time, thanks for watching. <laughs>